Well, I must say, I am impressed with our brother Billy this morning. He's not only done double duty, he's done triple duty this morning. And uh, you've done so well, I think I just want you to come on up here and preach and take care of that too. (laughs) Oh, what a talented man. We're certainly blessed to have uh, Billy here. And thank you for the great job that you do with the music week by week. It's so good to see all of you this Lord's Day. Thanks for coming out and being here at Starnes Cove this morning. And some of you are aware and have already asked, I'm missing my better half this morning. Uh, Lisa's having some problems, some issues with sciatic pain that flares up from time to time. And she's been doing a battle with that for the last several months. And and she's kind of had a back set the last few days. And so she was unable to be here. Hopefully she'll be back with me uh, next Sunday morning. Keep her in prayer, if you will. I really do appreciate you doing that. Well, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me today to the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter. Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to begin Scripture reading with verse 22. Last Sunday morning, I preached a message about the feeding of the 5,000. Right after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, is a, another miracle that is recording, uh, recorded. The first miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, took place on the side of a mountain around the Sea of Galilee. This miracle that we're going to read about today actually takes place on the Sea of Galilee itself. And so I've entitled the message, Finding Encouragement for the Storms of Life. Finding Encouragement for the Storms of Life. And in Matthew chapter 14, we begin reading with verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. There are approximately 35 recorded miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ that are mentioned in the Gospels. 
A miracle can be defined as the, a supernatural intervention of God into the course of things. Many of those miracles in the ministry of Jesus took place in and around the area of the Sea of Galilee. I think about one of those miracles that took place on the Sea of Galilee uh, on the occasion when Jesus used Simon Peter's boat for a pulpit. The crowd that had gathered around Jesus was so large that, that Jesus decided the best way to address them was to just get into Simon Peter's boat and get just a small distance away from the shore and, and there he would preach using the boat as a pulpit. Well, when Jesus finished his sermon, he got Peter and the other disciples into the boat with him and he said, now launch out into the deep for a catch of fish. Now those disciples knew that Jesus could preach and teach the word of God, but maybe they were a little suspicious on whether he knew anything about fishing or not. Because this was not really the time of the day when they would normally catch fish. And furthermore, the fish would not have been in the deep waters at that time. They would have been in the more shallow waters around the edge. But nonetheless, Jesus said, launch out into the deep, let down your net for a catch of fish. Well, they did exactly what Jesus asked them to do. And when they let down the net, all of a sudden, fish came from all over the Sea of Galilee to jump into Simon Peter's net. They were coming down Flounder Freeway. They were coming from Crabtree Corner. They were coming across the salty super slabs and the fishy four lanes. There was literally a traffic jam on the Sea of Galilee as the fish scrambled to get into Simon Peter's net. And they caught all these fish so much so that the boat began to sink and they had to call for another boat to come and help them. But it was on that occasion that they learned that Jesus was not just landlord, Jesus was sea lord as well. And then I think about another miracle that took place on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus was down in the boat in the lower part of the ship asleep. And the Bible says that a storm arose on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were afraid in the midst of the storm. They were afraid they were going to drown, that the boat would sink. And so they went down to wake Jesus up. And the Bible that tells us that the storm arose, it then says, and he arose. And I can see Jesus as he goes to the deck of the ship and he looks out over the rain and the wind and the storm that is upon the sea. And then with one word, Jesus says, peace. And with that word, he lassoes the winds and the waves. And then he says, be still. And those waves laid down like a calm little puppy at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, aren't you glad that whenever you go through a storm, when Jesus is on board your life's vessel, you don't have anything to worry about. You're going to be fine because Jesus is there. But what do you do when you go through a storm in your life and the presence of Jesus doesn't seem to be apparent? What do you do during those times when it seems like you're in the middle of a storm but you don't see Jesus around anywhere. His presence doesn't seem to be near in that moment of time. What do you do? It's in those times 
that we need to find some encouragement for the storms of life. And so this morning in this text, I want to share with you three simple observations about uh, the storm and how we can find encouragement in those storms of life. First of all, I want you to notice the storm on the water. The storm on the water. Now, I want you to get the scene here as we work our way into this passage for just a moment. We're told in verse 24 of our text that the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, that's interesting. Uh, This event, a storm on the Sea of Galilee, was not an unusual event at all. We have read about some of those storms in the scriptures, haven't we? And storms on the Sea of Galilee were a rather common occurrence. If you go over to the land of Israel and visit the Holy Land, one of the most enjoyable places to visit is the Sea of Galilee. And when you're in the Sea of Galilee on a boat, as I've had an opportunity to do on a couple of occasions now, uh, you find yourself in a geographical location that is very prone to storms. And here's why. The Sea of Galilee is located down in a basin between mountain ranges. And oftentimes the cold air comes down those mountain ravines and merges with the warm, moist air rising up off the Sea of Galilee and you have the conditions uh, that, are, that are immediately available to cause a storm to occur. And so storms often happen on the Sea of Galilee. Hey, isn't it that way in life as well? Storms often happen. We had a pretty hard thunderstorm yesterday over in Hendersonville, uh, where that I live. And we're going into the season where we're prone to have some storms, aren't we? Uh, But in life, we face storms. And sometimes they come from out of nowhere. Sometimes it seems that we're just going along, the sun is shining, everything seems to be good, and then all of a sudden, the next moment, we find ourselves in the middle of a storm. Just a phone call, and you find out that a loved one has passed away. Or just a visit to the doctor, and you find out that you get a negative report. Just a routine day going into the job thinking everything's going to be well. And then all of a sudden you find out that you're without a job before the day's over. Things like that often happen to us in life, don't they? Things seem to be going well and suddenly we encounter the storm. Well, this morning, if you're in a storm... I want to share with you two things that I believe can be of great encouragement to you from this passage. Two facts about the storm that we need to realize. Number one, the storm, the storm that you're going through, and the storm that these disciples were going through, the storm is in the Lord's plan. That's right. The storm is in the Lord's plan. Now in this text, in verse 22... After Jesus fed the 5,000, it says that immediately Jesus made his disciples. He compelled them. It's almost as though he forced them to get into a boat 
and go, to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So why is it that Jesus would have done something like that? The Savior who knows everything that is going to happen in advance, why would he put his disciples in a boat and tell them to go to the other side when he knew that there was a storm that was going to happen that they would inevitably uh, face? Uh, that often happens to us in life too. God sends us into a storm. Why? Because the storm is in the Lord's plan. God does some things in our lives in a storm that could never be accomplished any other way. We learn some things about Jesus in the middle of a storm we never could have learned without going through that storm. We learn some things about ourselves that we could have never known had that storm not happened in our lives. And on this occasion, those disciples learned that they had a Savior who not only could calm the storm, He could walk through the midst of a storm. And they learned things about Jesus they never could have learned any other way. And so let me tell you today, if you're in a storm, you're not in that storm alone. Jesus knew you would be in that storm, and He has made plans for you to help you through that storm. He has not promised us a smooth journey, but praise God, He has promised us a safe landing, and He's going to help you make it through. And so the storm is in the Lord's plan, but then secondly, the second fact about the storm, the storm is in the Lord's prayers. The storm is in the Lord's prayers. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus was doing after he sent the disciples away. It says in verse 23 that he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was alone there. Now, notice the contrast between what's happening with Jesus and what is happening with his disciples. The disciples were in the midst of a storm. Jesus was on a mountain praying. They were in a place of peril, but Jesus was in the place of prayer. From where they were, they couldn't see Jesus on the mountain praying for them, but Jesus, from his vantage point on the mountain, he could see them. And Mark chapter 6 that records this same miracle, Mark chapter 6 adds that Jesus saw them toiling in rowing. Jesus saw their struggle in the boat out there in the midst of a storm and all the while Jesus was praying for them in the midst of the storm. Oh, aren't you glad we have a Savior who prays for us? We have a Savior who not only sees us in the storm and is aware of what we're going through, but He's praying for us in the middle of that storm. The writer of the book of Hebrews says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And He's praying for you in the middle of your storm right now. Oh, what a joy it is to know we're in His prayer. A little boy misbehaved, and his mother uh, gave him a spanking and sent him upstairs to bed, and uh, the little boy went up there, and he, he pouted, and he was mad, 
And uh, finally, after a while, mom came upstairs to uh, tuck the little boy in in bed and, and help him with his prayers. And so the little boy began to pray his goodnight prayers. And he's still mad at his mom. But he prays. And he prays that the Lord would bless his daddy. That the Lord would bless his little sister. That the Lord would bless grandma and grandpa. He prayed for his teacher at school. He prayed for his pastor and his Sunday school teachers at church. He even prayed for his little puppy dog. But he didn't pray for his mom because he's still mad at mama. And so when he finished his prayer, he folded his arms rather triumphantly and he looked at his mama and he said, I guess you noticed you weren't in it. (laughs) You weren't in it. Hey, I've got some good news for you today. You are in the prayers of Jesus Christ. And just because you're in a storm, that doesn't mean He's mad at you. It means He loves you. And you may be going through that storm so He can show you some things about Himself and about you that you never could have learned any other way. And He's praying for you. He's interceding for you in the midst of the storm. And so there's the storm on the water. But now secondly in this passage of Scripture, I want you to see the Savior on the water. The Savior on the water. In verse 25 of our text, it says that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night, that was in the hours between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. It was the darkest time. The darkest time just before dawn. At the time when they seemed the most hopeless and they seemed the most helpless. At their darkest hour, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now I want us to consider this picture for a moment of our Savior walking on the water. And when we see Jesus walking on the water, there are two lessons that we can immediately learn from that experience. Number one, we learn a lesson about the supremacy of Jesus. We learn about the supremacy of Jesus. Of course, you know, and I know, that ordinary people, they simply can't walk on the water. Ordinary people weren't made to walk on the water, were they? We know that. Maybe you've tried it like I did as a little boy one time. And I slipped on a rock in the creek and I found out that Jesus could walk on the water, but David Horton can't walk on the water. None of us can do that. But thank God Jesus could walk on the water. Now, I'm amazed at this miracle, and it truly is a miracle. But there are some who are doubters of the faith, doubters of the Word of God, who try to explain away the miracles of the Bible. Well, I want to tell you something that will help you to understand or at least to accept the miracles of the Bible if you can just understand Genesis 1.1 that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can just nail that down, And accept that one fact, you won't have any trouble believing anything else the rest of the way through. 
If God can make the heavens and God can make the earth, He can do anything with His creation that He so desires. And so I believe this miracle is something that literally happened. But some doubters try to explain it away. I remember reading one of their explanations several years ago, and this doubter, the skeptic of the faith, uh, claimed that Jesus really wasn't walking on the water. That Jesus was just simply walking on the edge of the seashore. And the disciples thought they saw him walking on the water, but he was really just walking on the edge of the seashore. They just saw uh, kind of an optical illusion. Uh, They really didn't see Jesus. Well, I read that explanation from this person, this skeptic, who was supposed to be a very highly educated individual. And I remember even as a college student reading uh, that and thinking it through and, and putting my own mind to the situation. And I thought, now wait a minute. They are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's pitch black dark. There's a storm. There's fog. There's all these terrible weather conditions going on. The Sea of Galilee at its uh, width... Uh, and uh, the width is not as great as its length, so let's just use the width of the Sea of Galilee, which is about nine miles across. So uh, eight to nine miles across. So are you telling me that the, that the Scripture that says the disciples were in the midst of the sea, that means they are looking through four and a half miles of darkness and fog and stormy conditions, and they look for four and a half miles through all that, and they see Jesus walking on the seashore. Hey, I'm telling you, the explanation is harder to believe than to just believe the miracle. So just believe the miracle. It happened. It happened that way. They saw Jesus walking on the water. And of course you know and I know that ordinary men can't just walk on the water. And that's the point. Jesus was, an or, was not an ordinary man, was he? Jesus was the Son of God. And when that man of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, walked out on the Sea of Galilee, those drops of water joined hands together and became like concrete under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God walked on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, think about this, the waves that were over the disciples' head, they were under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, Jesus is on top of your problem. And that which seems like is going to overtake you and overcome your life's vessel, Jesus Christ is supreme over whatever it is that is coming against you in your life. There's the supremacy of Jesus But then also in this passage we learn a lesson about the sympathy of Jesus. The sympathy of Jesus. These men, most of them were sailors and fishermen. They were used to the rough and stormy weather of the Sea of Galilee. And yet the Bible says at this moment they were terrified. They were terrified when they saw Jesus. They didn't recognize Him to be Jesus at first glance. I mean, can you picture it? 
Here they are on a dark and stormy night out there in a boat afraid they're going to drown and they look out there in the distance and they see a figure of a man walking on the water to come to them. It's no wonder they cried out and said, It's a ghost! It's a ghost! What we can't explain. We often, you know, try to find some kind of an explanation like they did. It's a ghost! Why did they say that? They were scared. They were, uh, I would say they were scared out of their socks, but they didn't wear any. They were scared out of their sandals. You know, they were, they were scared by what they were experiencing before they recognized it was Jesus. Have you ever been really scared? <laughs> Heard a story one time about a man who was hitchhiking and uh, a truck stopped to pick this man, this hitchhiker up. And he told the man, he said, I don't have room for you up here in the cab, but you can ride on the back of the truck if you want to uh, as far as I'm going to my destination. And so the man got in the back of the truck and he noticed that it was unusual, an unusual truck that it belonged to a company that built caskets. Okay? It built caskets. And sure enough, there was a casket on the back of this uncovered truck. And so this man sits back there for a while looking at that casket, thinking about that casket. And then all of a sudden it starts to rain. And the hitchhiker thought, whew, I need to get in out of this rain somewhere. And he thought, I wonder if that casket's empty. And so he sneaks over to the casket and he raises up the lid and he looks in. Sure enough, it's empty. To get in, to get out of the rain and get in a warm, dry place, he went ahead and climbed into the casket. And he just laid down there, stretched out, and it was warm and it was dry. And the next thing you know, he's asleep. He's asleep going down the road inside of this casket. Well, what he doesn't know while he's asleep is that the rain stopped. And this truck driver stopped to pick up two more hitchhikers along the way. And so they get into the back of the truck alongside of this casket. And finally, as they're going down the road, the man in the casket wakes up and he opens up the lid of that coffin and he sits straight up and he says, I'm glad to see it's quit raining. And those other two hitchhikers haven't been heard from since. They, they, uh, uh, they, they are still running a marathon uh, even unto this day. <laughs> well, we've all experienced things that have been scary. Things that have been frightening. And for those disciples, they looked out there and they saw Jesus. They saw the form of a man walking on the water and, and they were afraid. They, they were scared. And Jesus immediately realized their fear. And Jesus spoke a word to address their fear. This is where you see His sympathy. Jesus says, Be of good cheer. It is I. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Oh, just look for Jesus in the middle of your storm, folks. Look for Jesus when He comes to you, walking on top of the water, walking on top of your problem, with a word of encouragement, with a word even of sympathy to you, telling you that you don't have to be afraid because it is I, Jesus said. That means that that's the same word in the Old Testament that He gave to Moses when He revealed Himself as the great I Am. Jesus is saying, I am. 
I am whatever your storm requires. Whatever you need in the midst of what you're going through, I'm going to be that for you. Jesus is saying that. So, we've seen in this passage the storm on the water and the Savior on the water, but there's another observation we can't help but make on this, in this passage. I want you to see the saint on the water. The saint on the water. Because you see, on board that boat was a boisterous, impetuous, loud, big-mouthed, lovable kind of guy by the name of Simon Peter. You know, Simon Peter is one of those guys, you can't help but love Simon Peter. You know, I guess it's because he's so much like most of us. Uh, Sometimes Simon Peter said things that were just absolutely great and phenomenal. And sometimes he said things that were not so great. Sometimes he opened his mouth just to exchange feet, it seems. And many of us can identify with what that's like because we've been there and, and we've done that. And many times Peter got himself into trouble by what he said. And in this passage of Scripture, it says that after Jesus spoke, uh, it says, And Peter answered him. Now, who asked him anything? (laughs) And yet he's answering uh, what Jesus said. Now, it's easy for us to criticize Simon Peter in this passage. It's easy for us to be critical of Peter because of all of his foibles and his failures and human frailties and that kind of thing. But I am convinced of this. Simon Peter truly loved Jesus Christ. He loved Jesus with the intensity that few men ever really loved Jesus. You remember after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the disciples were out there on the sea fishing again. And they heard a voice from the seashore that said, Children, do you have any meat? And they looked And it was Jesus, the resurrected Jesus on the seashore. And Peter, when he saw Jesus, he jumped out of that boat and began to swim to go where Jesus was. Peter was one of those people. He just wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to be in on what Jesus was doing. And I believe in this circumstance, Peter saw his opportunity to get in on a miracle. And so he says to Jesus, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Well, that's a bold request, isn't it? If it's you, Lord, give me permission. Tell me to come and to walk on the water with you. Wonder what the other disciples thought. Wonder what they must have been thinking. They'd been around Simon Peter uh, for uh, a long, long time. Uh, They knew Simon Peter. I imagine the conversation between the other disciples may have gone sort of like this. Thomas elbows Bartholomew and says, Look at there, Bart. Look at this guy. We've seen him pull some wild ones in our lifetime, but this one takes the cake. Do you really think he, uh, uh, Bartholomew, do you really think? Uh, um, Bartholomew turns to Jesus, turns to Thomas and says, uh, uh, Thomas, do you really think he's going to be able to walk on the water? Thomas says, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, uh, you know, that was Thomas's nature. And I just see them. But then all of a sudden, there's Simon Peter. He's not only... Uh, asking Jesus to come walk on the water, but Jesus says, come. 
Jesus gives him a word. He says, come. And Simon Peter starts scrambling down the side of that boat. And he starts walking on the water to go to Jesus. He actually walked on the water for a while, folks, with Jesus. He walked on the water. How did he do it? Because he had a word from Jesus. He had permission from Jesus to do so. When you're in a storm, look for the word that comes from Jesus to you. Look at what God is saying to you in His word, in the Bible. And when He gives you a word in the middle of your storm, don't be afraid to step out on that word. Because as long as you're looking at the Word and your eyes are focused on Jesus, you're going to be walking on the water with Him too. And so here's Simon Peter for a while. He is walking on the water with Jesus. You know, everything Peter did, he always did it in a big way, didn't he? If he had a big mess up, it was a big one. If he had a success, it was a big one. And so here's Simon Peter, everything he does, he does it to the fullest. And I can just see him out there on the water walking to Jesus. Man, he's having the time of his life out there. I can see him as he kicks the top off one of those waves. I can see him as he's out there and maybe he just does a little, I wish I could moonwalk, I'd do a moonwalk right here. Because Simon Peter probably just did a moonwalk, you know, right across the wall. I mean, he's having the time of his life walking on the water with Jesus. But you know, and I know something happened. Peter was all right as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. But we know that the Scripture says that he took his eyes off of Jesus for a moment. And when he did, he began to sink. You know, that's one of the reasons why I do know the Bible is the Word of God, because it tells us the truth even about its heroes. Simon Peter, who walked on the water, began to sink. He, he got his eyes off Jesus and his eyes on the storm and on the circumstances. And when he did, he began to sink. Oh, there's a difference between fear and faith. Fear looks at God through your circumstances. Faith looks at your circumstances through God. And as long as Simon Peter was responding in faith instead of responding in fear, he was walking on the water with Jesus, but he took his eyes off and he began to sink beneath the waves. He's going down. He's going down and he cries out in prayer and he said, Lord, save me. Short prayer. When you're drowning, you don't have time for one of those big long prayers. You don't have time for any fancy words. Oh, thou great God of the universe, thou to whom man is nothing but an infinitesimal spot on the face of the earth. He didn't have time for one of those high church prayers. Well, he just had to get through to the Lord. He had to get through. And he says, Lord, save me. And when he did, Jesus reached out his hand and he picked Simon Peter up and he escorted Peter back to the boat. You know, it's probably a good thing Simon Peter did fail because given his nature, he would have probably walked over to the boat If he had not sank, he probably would have walked over to the boat and he would have said to them, Hey guys, any of you fellows ever walk on the water? Well, you're looking at one that did. You know, that's probably what he would have done. But Peter couldn't be proud. He had to be humble. 
And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, a defeat that leaves you humble is even better than a victory that leaves you proud. Because when you're in an humble place, you're in a place where Jesus can help you. And so these people realized because of this miracle that Jesus truly was and is the Son of God. And as we see this passage today and you think about the storm that you may be in, I'm telling you there's a Savior who is on top of your problem. He's walking into your life today in a new, exciting, fresh way. And He wants to help you in the middle of your storm to see Him like you've never seen Him before. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will continue to speak to us now in this time of invitation. And as we sing this song, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just reach out to people where they are and draw them closer to you than ever before. If there's someone who needs to be saved, may they be saved today. If there are people who need to just come forward to pray, if there are those who need to rededicate their lives, if, if there are those who need to respond to the call of God that you're issuing to them, Father, whatever it is, I pray that you'd help us to say yes unto you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor William is going to come and be here at the front to uh, be available and to help in this time of invitation. And I'm going to ask that we all stand together right now and as we sing the song of invitation, the altar is open, the Lord is working. Respond to Him as He would have you to come as we sing.